Lord and just uh, let everyone really take something home with them from the rest of just tonight, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, grab a seat. If you need a Bible, grab one off the back, back there. I think there's like one of those blue notebooks back there. If you still need one, I've got an extra one up here. Does anybody need one of these? Want one of these? I'll throw it right here. No? Perfect. Now, we, we do have more of those, so if you need one before you leave tonight, um, I will get you one of those, but they are currently in a closet. So, guys, first of all, did y'all get enough candy on Monday? No? Well, here's what we're going to do tonight. When you leave tonight, I've got something for you, okay? But I'll tell you all about that at the end. But we're going to make sure you won't. What's that? Toothbrushes, yes! No, that would be horrible. That's like, hey, we used to have a neighbor in Tallahassee. Correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Kathleen, but we had a neighbor in Tallahassee who was like a dental hygienist or something, our next door neighbor. So they didn't give out candy, they gave out coins, like quarters. Would that be, do you think that's a good Halloween thing? No, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing your own coin laundry, that's a good idea, but if not. All right, so tonight, tonight, we are in a new month, and we are in a new chapter. Who can tell me what book we've been walking through? Thank you. All right. So we have gone through the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, and so far, we have followed the account of the nation of Israel who was conquered. Do you remember who they were conquered by? Just yell it out. You don't have to raise your hand. Babylonians. There you go. Good man. That's absolutely right. And specifically, we've tracked with Daniel and his friends. And how old do we think they were when they were taken into captivity? All right. 15, 16 years old. And what we've seen, and what we've seen so far in this book through these first chapters is we've seen Daniel's faithfulness in following God. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the consequences are, he's faithful. And we've been able to watch God as God has used Daniel. And, and there's been at least four different kings we've talked about here. And in every one of those kings, like their time that they reigned, the time that they ruled, God has used Daniel in some way high up in that governmental system. Because God's given him this ability to interpret dreams, something that was needed over and over again as we've walked through the beginning of this book. But tonight, all of that changes. Because as we've walked through this book, we've, we've followed the, the history of what's happening. Tonight, we shift from history to prophecy. Okay? So we're going from, hey, this is what happened, and there's no question about what happened, to hey, this is what could happen in the future, and some things might be a little unclear. That's where we're seeing this shift go tonight. And if you remember, when we started the book of Daniel, we talked about that very briefly the first night. We talked about this idea that when we're dealing with prophetic writings, things that are dealing with prophecy, there's some things we can look at that prophecy and we can know with 100% certainty this is what that means. There's other things that are debatable. And in fact, in Daniel chapter 7, and as we continue to move through the rest of this book, we can get bogged down in the details real quick. We can start trying to figure out what, it, what does this thing symbolize, and what does this creature symbolize, and what does this horn symbolize, and all of that's going to make sense here in a few minutes as we start going through the book here, or going through this chapter. But what we've got to make sure is that we don't get so bogged down in what does each one of these details mean that we lose sight of the main point of what's happening in this chapter. 
much less the main point of what's happening in the entire book. So what we have to do when we're dealing with prophetic writings is we've got to focus on the things that we can know for sure and not so much on the things that we know can and will be debated for a long time until Jesus comes back. And that's what we're going to try to do as we start walking through this. Right here in Daniel chapter 7, this is a prophetic chapter, but it's also known as apocalyptic. Does anybody know what that word means? What's it mean? Yeah, it's the end of everything. That's exactly what No, you're not. Okay, moving on. So, apocalyptic writing. It's, it's dealing with the end times. It's dealing with the, the end of the world. And this chapter, and several of these chapters, that's what it's dealing with. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about how the world's going to end, what's going to happen, what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. And a lot of us want to know, and those details are important. If you get into the book of Revelation, there's a lot of stuff that we could dig into there and figure out what those details mean. But... The main thing is not figuring out all those details. The main thing is what we can understand, living in light of that truth. What we can know from Scripture, what we know for sure, how do we live a life that reflects what we know to be true from Scripture? And what we find out in Scripture over and over again is that God is king of all creation. Jesus is going to return one day, and all of creation will be judged by that righteous king God. We know that for sure because we see that in prophetic writings and we see that in the book of Revelation and at that time, all of creation is going to praise the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we have to focus on. That's what we have to remember. And as we get into this tonight, we see it's actually Daniel's vision tonight. He's helped interpret dreams for different kings when they've had visions about what their kingdom was going to do and and how God was going to interact with them, even when there was a a visible handwriting on the wall. What does this language mean? We've seen Daniel work to interpret that for other people, but tonight it's a vision that God gives Daniel. And Daniel needs some help understanding his own dream, but the cool thing is God helps him understand it within his dream. So God's still using the gift he gave Daniel to help Daniel do what God has called him to do. So we've already walked through some of these questions. Let's do it again. Who wrote the book? Daniel. Daniel. When do we believe it was written? Around the 6th century BC. Not Daniel. Sorry. Good try, but that's not the answer to that one. Who conquered the Israelites? What was their king's name? Nebuchadnezzar. How old do we think Daniel and his friends were? 15, 16. What is the main theme of this book? God's sovereignty. For those of you that said Daniel every time, there are wrong answers, and you got them all. So good job. So let's, uh, I'm not going to make you stand tonight, okay? I'm going to ask you to follow on because there's 28 verses. We're going to break it up a little bit, but we're going to go through the first 18 right now. So Daniel chapter 7 starting in verse 1. Follow along with me. It says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. 
Then I looked and its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man and the mind of a man was given to, to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can come together and we can do our best to understand what writings like this mean what you intended for it to mean then, and God, what it means for us now. And we know it's the same thing. And God, I just pray that you'll help us to, to walk out of here tonight understanding something more about you because of the time that we've spent in this book, in this chapter. And we pray that you'll be glorified through it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this is kind of nightmare stuff, isn't it? Have y'all ever had dreams where an animal's like in your dream and coming after you? Yeah? Okay, there's, there's, that, that's not nice. We're not going to repeat that. That's, that's kind of what's going on here, only this, this is coming after him. I mean, if you look at this, you've got a crashing sea and these ferocious, crazy-looking beasts. And the question is, what does all of this mean? Because if you remember so far in this book, what we've seen is we've seen that when people have dreams and all this crazy stuff is going on, it means something. 
And as we walk through this, we can take a look and see some very specific things that, that scholars mostly agree on and can help us understand with some certainty. So tonight as we walk through this, I've got some notes. There may be times where I'm just going to read some of these notes to you because I don't want to mess it up because I, I think it's that important. One of the things that we see here at the very beginning where it talks about this idea that he was laying in bed and that the winds of heaven, excuse me, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. Now, if you go back and look in history, there were times when in different writings, especially in the apocalyptic type writings, um, the sea stood for humanity. It stood for the chaos of humanity and the unrest in humanity. And it's this idea that you've got this, this boiling sea, all of humanity, there's unrest, there's chaos, there's all of this stuff going on, and up out of humanity's unrest, up out of humanity's chaos, you see these kingdoms, what the angel says there, you see these different beasts come up out of that chaos. And these beasts represent kings or kingdoms. Scholars have gone back and forth on this, whether it was just a specific person or whether it was an entire ruling time that a kingdom was there. And what you see here, if you go back and you remember in Daniel chapter 2, who had a dream there? Do you remember who it was? Who was the king? Nebuchadnezzar, that's exactly right. Nebuchadnezzar had that dream. And what did Nebuchadnezzar dream about? Big statue. That's exactly right. And do you remember what that statue looked like? I like y'all like racing to answer it first. Some of that stuff, absolutely. If you go back and you look at that, and we won't walk through all of it, but if you go through, you remember Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and this statue. He dreamed about this giant statue, but it was made out of different things. And when he got the interpretation from Daniel, what he found out is that the head, which was made out of gold in his dream, stood for the kingdom of Babylon. And right there, we see here what scholars agree upon is that that kingdom of Babylon, that golden head, is the same thing as this lion with eagle's wings. See, what's happening is Daniel is now having a dream that's different than Nebuchadnezzar's, but some of the things he's seeing represent the same things that Nebuchadnezzar's dream represented. In fact, uh, in the statue, the silver, it was the, the chest that stood for the Medes and the Persian Empire. Scholars tell us that that second beast, the one that looks like the bear, that's who that represents. The third part, the bronze waist, stood for the empire of Greece, which would be the leopard right here. The iron leg stood for the Roman Empire, which is the fourth beast with the iron teeth and the incredible strength. And then we've got this crazy horn with eyes and a mouth that's talking to everybody. We're going to get to that in a few minutes, but that's just weird. We get all of that, but the last thing that we see in, Daniel, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, do you remember what it was? What happened to the statue? By what? It was destroyed. It said a stone came and destroyed it, and then that stone grew and grew, and it filled all of the earth. That's what's happening here when Daniel has this dream and it talks about the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man. Because if you remember what that stone, it stood for Christ, it stood for the Messiah, it stood for Jesus. And that there would be a day when he would come and he would destroy all earthly kingdoms, he would wipe them out, and not like military physically, but he would establish his rule as creator of everything. And it would fill the entire earth 
That's what's going on right here when it's talking about the ancient of days and it's talking about Jesus. And here's the funny thing is what Daniel does is when he sees this stuff, when he's standing here watching all of this stuff in his dream, it says right here, he says, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. Daniel's nervous. Now, Daniel has interpreted dreams for kings, and he's told them, hey, you're going to die tonight. Hey, your, your kingdom's going to be destroyed. Hey, all of these things are going to happen. Daniel has walked through that with all of these kings, and he's not really been bothered by it as far as we know from Scripture so far. But now, he's alarmed. And look at what he does in verse 16. He says, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of this. Now, a lot of theologians tell us that, you know, standing there, the people watching this in Daniel's dream, some of them would have been angels, and, and they believe that this was an angel in his dream that Daniel talked to. Again, we can't know that with 100% certainty, but most scholars, through studying all of Scripture, agree that that's probably what's going on here. But the interesting thing here is this. When you look at this vision, the angel talks about what these beasts mean, but that's not where he spends most of his time. And we're getting ready to walk through that. What he does is he says, hey, this is what the beasts mean, but that's not the main thing you need to be focused on. He's pointing Daniel not to the beasts and not to the kingdom. What he's doing is he's getting ready to point Daniel to the Ancient of Days and to the Son of Man. He's trying to help Daniel understand there's something else important in what's going on here that you need to understand. Look at what happens in verse 19. It says, Then I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast. So Daniel is now zeroing in. He's saying, I want to know about this one detail that's going on here. He says, Which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. So he's got this dream and he says, hey, I'm having this dream. I see all these beasts. And then he focuses in. He says, I want to know about this one. I want to know about that fourth beast. I want to know about those ten horns that are on its head. I want to know about that little horn that comes up that uproots three of those other horns that starts talking and it's looking at everybody and it's weird. And what Daniel is doing is Daniel is zeroing in on one piece of this prophecy and saying, give me all the information and details about that. And it's not a bad thing to dig into it like that and try to understand it because God has given us his word and our goal as disciples, as believers, is to do our best to study and dig into and understand what scripture says. But it's also possible to get so caught up in the details and down in the weeds of what's going on that you lose sight of the bigger picture. We do the exact same thing, don't we? Sometimes you get focused, whether it's a project you're doing or schoolwork, or maybe you're out there on the field and you've got one task and you're trying to accomplish that task, and you get so focused on that thing that you lose sight of everything else that's going on. 
Maybe you've got a school project that you've got to get it done, but in doing that school project and making sure you turn it in on time, you forgot to study for your test, you forgot to take the dog out, you forgot to take care of the trash, and you forgot to do all your other homework that night. Anybody ever had something like that happen before? Yeah, a lot of us. Because we get so focused on one thing that we lose sight of the bigger picture. And that's what's happening here. And what this angel does, he gives Daniel a little bit of information about this, but he also brings him back to what the main thing is that's happening and what's going on here. And what this shows us here is that the eternal glory of Jesus, it is real and it is what we are supposed to be focused on with our lives. Look at what it says in the next verse, 23. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth what shall, which shall be different from all the kingdoms and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. What the angel does here is he pushes Daniel's attention not towards that one thing. He gives him some details, but then he pushes his attentions towards the king and the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's doing here. He's saying it's the ancient of days. It's the son of man that you dreamed in your dream. That's the focus. That pursuit is what's going to keep you faithful in your daily pursuit of Jesus Christ. It's focusing on who God is. Kingdom after kingdom is going to rise up and they're going to defy God and yet ultimately God's going to rule all of them. We get so caught up of when's the world going to end and when Jesus is coming back and is this leader the one that we see in scripture and is this the antichrist and this is it and those aren't bad things to look into but we get so caught up looking into those things we forget we're supposed to be living a life that honors God and we're supposed to be telling people how to do that and who Jesus is. We see all of this play out in the time of Daniel. Daniel, we've seen kingdoms rise up. Nebuchadnezzar comes in with Babylon and they take over Israel. And they take all the young, the bright people back to Babylon. And he's seen a kingdom rise up and wipe out what he knew. And yet while he's there, he sees another king come to power and another king come to power and another king come to power. We've watched what's happening here in scripture play out as we followed Daniel's life. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't worship God at the beginning. It says he built this great giant statue after he had the dream about the giant statue. He made it all gold, so not just the head, but all of it represented him. And he said, everybody, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship that when you hear the music. That king wasn't concerned about God. He was concerned about his own kingdom. 
We saw the same thing with Belshazzar had this big drunken party and while he's drinking literally from items that were dedicated to the worship of God, he's taking them and he's partying with them. The hand of God comes out and writes on a wall and says, hey, your kingdom is going to end. Same thing with Darius. He told everybody, you're not going to worship anybody for 30 days except for me. We see king after king and kingdom after kingdom defy God, worship things other than God. And Daniel has watched every one of them come to an end because all of them are focused on their own self-importance. Guys, we can even go back and dig into the details where it talks about how you've got the one beast and it was taken, it's the first one where it had the wings and then its wings were taken off and then over time it was made to stand like a man and given eyes like a man. If you go back, scholars believe that that's Nebuchadnezzar. If you remember, what God did is God kind of made him lose his mind for about seven years told him he was going to act like an animal. He was going to be out there on his hands and knees eating grass wet from the dew because he was living like an animal. And at the end of that time, he rose back up and he had his wits about him again. See, we can find parallels in all of this and all of that stuff. But what we have to do is make sure we focus on God. We focus on who God's called us to be. But before we camp out on that, let's talk about that little horn for a moment that little freaky, talking, eyeballed horn, okay? <laughs> Most scholars agree that this represents the Antichrist. And, and if you're not clear who that is, it's, it's the one that's going to rise up to, to represent Satan on earth and build his own kingdom and push everything against who God is. That's who Antichrist is going to be. We don't know who that is. There's a lot of people for a lot of years who have tried to say, it's this leader, and it's this leader, and it's this ruler, and guess what? They hadn't been right yet, because we don't get to know that. We can make a lot of guesses, and let me tell you, there are some really bad people that have lived over the years, and they fit some of the description that we see here in Scripture. But we don't know that for sure. Here's what we do know. We do know that it references the man of lawlessness here in Daniel chapter 7, and we see that same reference in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let's see what that says about him. It says, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. What that tells us right here is that there will come a day when there will be someone who is the Antichrist who will rise up and will rage against God and against his kingdom. Will declare himself to be God. And people are going to believe it. 
and people are going to follow it and people are going to trust in it. But we've got to remember, we don't know who that is. We don't know who that's going to be. It could be in my lifetime. It could be in your lifetime. It could be in your great, great, great grandkids' lifetime. We don't know. What we do know is that we're called to be watchful. And that if this really happens during our lifetime, we need to be prepared to suffer well. Because if somebody is raging against God and they're a world power, guess what? It's going to be bad news for Christians. That's what we know to be true. We've got to remember the important things that we see here in this chapter. Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 through 12 shows us that the enemy is limited in his power and limited in the time that he will have to persecute this world. Let me read those verses again. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. He's talking about God. It's talking about what God's going to look like. It's talking about the day that God is going to sit in judgment over all of his creation. And verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a season. There is a time where Satan will rise up. He will have power, but that time and that power is limited by God himself because God is king over all of creation, even Satan and his dominion. He rules over all of it. Why? Because God is sovereign. Because God is in control. Even when the day comes that this stuff comes to pass and literally all hell breaks loose on earth, God is still in control. God is still limiting the power. God is still limiting the time. And we don't have to fear that because we are called to have an eternal perspective on this world that we live in. Because we're called to focus on who God is. Even today, when it looks like Satan is gaining ground and Christ's disciples, the ones who claim to be Christians, when you see friends who maybe sit in church with you or go to school with you and they say they believe in God and yet you watch their lives and their lives are conforming to everyone else's around them that don't believe in Jesus Christ. Even when that happens, God is still in control and Jesus will still reign eternally. We are called to have an eternal perspective because God knows all, God sees all, and at some point, God's going to judge all of his creation. And he's going to judge in wisdom, and he's going to judge in righteousness, and our only hope, our only hope, is in Jesus Christ, is in a relationship with him. Because apart from Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, the judgment of God is on every single one of us. And that's a frightening place to be. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. 
And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. There will come a day when God will judge all of his creation and Jesus Christ will sit on the throne. We know that because if you go through the New Testament, Jesus, this, this son of man that it says right here, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man over 80 times in the New Testament. Called himself that. So we know that's who that is. And we see that eternal kingdom in verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So in light of all of these things, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Right here, right now, in your everyday life, Pursue him. Put him first in everything that you do. At home, at work, on the ball field, in the classroom. Everything that you do. And understand, there's going to come a time in your life if you haven't experienced already, as you pursue Jesus Christ, you will suffer for it. You will face persecution for it if you decide to cling to him with every part of your life. But you have to keep an eternal perspective. Because eternity is what's at stake here. You do that by having a relationship with Jesus Christ, by asking him to forgive you of your sin, by putting your faith and trust in him and knowing that God holds you eternally and nothing can take you out of his hand. That's how you keep that eternal perspective. And then you stay focused on that pursuit every day single day knowing that he will return knowing that he will reign eternally over all of his creation because he is sovereign it all comes back to that that's what we're called to if you sit here tonight and say i'm a christian i'm a believer i'm a disciple of jesus christ is to have an eternal perspective to focus on him and pursue him every moment of every single day let's pray God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come together tonight. Lord, we thank you that we can speak you through song and through your word, God, even when your word is difficult for us to understand. God, this is not easy to understand. But God, we also thank you that you show us that you are the focus that we are called to every single day. And God, I pray that you help every single one of us in this room to pursue you. God, to give you control over every area of our lives, knowing that you hold us in your hand if we've put our faith and trust in you. God, help each one of us to have an eternal perspective. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in here tonight that doesn't have that viewpoint, that perspective, God, because they don't know you, they don't have a relationship with you through Jesus, God, I pray that you'll speak to them right now. Help them to trust you, God. Help them to ask for your forgiveness and know that you hold them for all of eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.